Mediocre Gay, the podcast with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. I'm David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale. And what have you been up to this week, Kate? This week, David, I've been making sauerkraut. I didn't ask you what was mediocre. Well, that's what I had been doing, though, and it turns out that I have been mediocrely making a possibly mediocre dish, which is sauerkraut. Do you know how to make sauerkraut? Do you even know what it is? Barely. So it's because um, I get a fortnightly veg box, and at this time of year, there's a glut of cabbages. And, you know, we are living in hard times, so I was trying to think about how I preserve my cabbages. (laughs) Okay. So uh, you know, we were talking about what could we put on a T-shirt. Yes. How do I preserve my, my cabbages? cabbages? Oh, it gets better okay. because so I looked at how to make sauerkraut. Quite like sauerkraut, um, and you have to massage your cabbage. Oh God! <laughs> so you shred your cabbage, sprinkle salt on it, and then you spend five minutes massaging it. <laughs> then you rest for five minutes and you massage it again. Oh God! And it's honestly, it's the most hands-on physical activity I've done in a very long time. Yes, it sounds very much like a lonely old woman activity. Yes. I should probably take it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the genius of that is then you just let nature and things going off do the work. It's science. So then it's like sitting in the corner of my kitchen. I give it a bit of a stir every morning. It's, it's like there. having a pet, actually, yeah. Because it ferments for two weeks. What was that? What was that thing that everybody was doing? Sourdough. No. Is it a sourdough? And it like everybody like you'd give someone a bit and they oh, would grow. What was that? Friendship cake. That's, that's what we did. Oh, this was in Carlisle in the 80s, they had, but it was basically a yeast thing and it would double in size. I think Not, it sounds like an infection, but it, I mean, also it, yeah. that you works. You did give it to friends. Genuinely will be working in exactly the same way, yeah. thinking about it. I can't remember what it was, but there was like something. Oh, I don't know. Anyway. I think what we've established is that I'm going to be going and throwing my sauerkraut out because now I've just started talking about yeast infections. It, is it nice? Not the yeast infection. That, the they're not nice. They're awful, by the way. Um, it's not really a PSI, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you like shredded vinegary cabbage. I don't. I don't. Well, it's what's amazing. I thought you pickled it in vinegar, but you don't. You just salt in its own juices. Oh, God, I'm making it sound revolting, aren't I? Yeah. I've ruined sauerkraut for everyone, but I don't think that's massively a problem. I don't think not many... The people. only thing that would make this more complete is if you told me that you did this on a Saturday night. It's very possible. Great. On that note, who have we got with us this week? Well, saving us all from <laughs> fermented cabbage uh, is the wonderful, brilliantly talented author, Miss Helen Juliet. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for having me today. Welcome to Mediocre Gate, Helen. So, um, Looking mighty fine today, yes. I might add. Oh, thank you. I love, the hair. I love, I love the that colour that yeah. pink really suits you as well. Oh, I'll come back more often. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more things about myself. <laughs> you have something about yourself. So um, uh, tell us about your writing and your books. Ah, uh, so I am an MM uh, romance author. Um, I kind of tend to tell people that I'm a gay romance author because it conveys the, the the genre quicker. But we we say MM because we want to include um, you know bisexual characters. I've written a lot of non-binary characters. Um, but yeah, I I write Hallmark basically a little bit little bit spicier um, mm-hmm. uh, than uh, than your average Hallmark. But um, yeah, no, it's I just like writing happy ever afters basically. How did you get into that? I wrote fan fiction for like 15 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I was um, 
yeah, like it was just my kind of happy place. I was stuck in an office job that I really, really hated for like a decade. Um, and uh, I just um, would lose myself in these kind of... Um, uh, I, I wrote one thing for like 10 years and like really obsessed about it and like and then I sort of released it and then I was like what do I do with myself and then I sort of tripped into writing um, uh, we, we, in back in the day you'd call it slash fiction which is when you take two characters that canonically uh, you know probably not that into each other but because we're so starved of gay representation or LGBT queer yeah. representation in the media you know we went hunting we went sniffing out for any kind of character that had any kind of chemistry yeah um it really kind of started with um spock and kirk in uh, star trek back in the 60s and you had these women that were writing they were literally like producing these um like handmade magazines and like you know distributing it like on the, such a small scale and it, and it grew and then obviously with the internet over the creation of the internet um it became you know such a huge thing that actually everybody had access to and um people would take characters that they loved and they thought had chemistry and they would they would be so frustrated with the lack of representation that they would be like oh, I'm, I'm going to do it myself <laughs> why do you, why do you think it started with women um it's interesting and i don't necessarily have the all the answers because i'd say that mm romance is dominated by women um people like to say straight women but i think a lot of women find their sexuality through writing things like this um i i'd sort of worked out by the time i was in my 30s that i was pansexual but i i realized i was non-binary by um writing a non-binary character um and i think there's something really quite beautiful in um, a world filled with such toxic masculinity of taking male characters and actually finding something really beautiful and gentle and loving and sweet and um, sort of vulnerable and sort of exploring those kind of narratives. Um, now all I need to do is find that in my real life. Because <laughs> I agree, I think that would be sweet and lovely. Aww. I'm just thinking, because I know, Helen, a lot of the themes for yours, or a lot of your inspiration comes from fairy tales. I'm just thinking, these are Goldilocks, oh. but you've done Goldilocks. I've done Goldilocks, yeah. So I've got two pen names, actually. Mm -hmm. um, Helen Juliet um, writes or, or reimagines um, contemporary versions of fairy tales, and I've done about, oh, I don't even know, a dozen of those now, one of which was Goldilocks. Mm -hmm. That one was filthy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect from three bears? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was it. Um, and then the other one is like, um, small town American. Um, so I've got a British pen name and an American pen name because um, most readers are American uh, in romance. And um, when I was starting out, I was advised um, if I really wanted to actually, you know, do this full time and make money, um, it would be better to set the books in American. I was like, well, I've already written a few of these British books and that was really quite important to me. So I was like, ah, I'll just I'll just do two. <laughs> you know, why not? <laughs> Multiple identities. Yes. Familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what does the word mediocre mean to you, Helen? Um, kind of the bare minimum. <laughs> like, oh, bless, you tried. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you know, I feel I should say that Helen and I um, are in a musical theatre group together we where are. I think I very even barely even get to the level of mediocre. Does she, so. does she make it to mediocre? <laughs> oh, she, of course she does. <laughs> Helen I mean, to never call noise. her a back row bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen her, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy normally moaning about being stuck in the back row. But anyway. She makes an excellent tree. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was a door once. You like, were a door. You were yeah. a very good Can door. Can you stand still enough to be a tree or a door? Well, no, I was really method with a door because the person who was supposed to get 
was supposed to close me and he didn't and I didn't close myself as so I stayed open she's been raging about it for three years raging about it for three years literally this is actually this is not any sort of an act no livid because he forgot to close me and we practiced and we practiced and we practiced and he kept forgetting to close me <laughs> I there's got there must be a joke in here somewhere about you being left open <laughs> Uh, yes, I can't quite formulate it. But you know it, but how with comedy, Phil, you you're can't, joking yourself. Folks. You can't make jokes until you finish processing something. Oh, and, and I'm you still finished yeah. processing it. You, I have a strict rule that you don't put something on stage that you haven't completely processed yourself. This is why it's not come up in her set. Yeah, <laughs> might do. I might give it another go. three years. Yeah. It'll be fine. Then it'll all be door based material. <laughs> it's doors today. Doors and knobs. <laughs> oh, that could be could do a double show, couldn't we? And that could be it. <laughs> Sell out, sell out. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> anyway, it's not about us, it's about Helen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, bare minimum. And so, and do you see that as a, a level of it being acceptable because it's a minimum, so it's fine, it's adequate, it does a job, or not good enough? I think it depends. Um, I'm a massive overachiever. <laughs> um, but I think that there is joy in going, you know what, that's good enough. You know, like... Um, like a freedom. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And like, I think it's choosing what matters to you and what doesn't. Like, um, you know, we we do musical theatre, but we also do dance. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not the best dancer. Like, I don't, might not get all the choreography, but I love it. Like, I love it and it makes me happy. So, you know, in that instance, I'm not looking to be the best. I'm not looking yeah. to be front and centre and look at me. And there um, is a freedom that comes with that, right? Absolutely. I, 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 dance as well and I don't want to move up to like the advanced group or anything I'm just happy to be yes present <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. sometimes barely present <laughs> and I wonder as well particularly uh, for queer people and I think also for women as well for all sorts of reasons the way we brought up that we have that need to to overachieve that perfection that drive to be the best the best the best actually getting to a stage where you can say do you know what I can go and do something badly yeah. or barely acceptably just for the, just for the joy of doing it and just because well it's I a will real joy. get on a on a soapbox for a second I think you know we live in a capitalist society that really does want to monetize everything and like says that you should you know if you're not you know what's the point in doing something unless it's you know earning you money and it's yeah. like I just want to go be average at something. Yeah, that's a really and, bad uh, message. Yes. Yeah, yeah. However, if anybody does want to sponsor Mediocre Gay, then do feel free to get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> and by Mediocre Gay, she means me. <laughs> uh, so what do you love that you think other people think is mediocre generally? You're in trouble now. Uh, <laughs> uh, been a while since a woman said that. To me. It's well, been a while since anyone said that. To me. <laughs> um, I love Eurovision, and I, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with it for like six months of the year. Like people don't even know that there are semi-finals in Eurovision. They think it's like a thing that happens on a Saturday night. They tune in to have a laugh. It's literally my life from like the end of December until the middle of May. I see, I'm going to slightly call you out on that because I wouldn't say it was only six months of the year, Helen. <laughs> I know, I was surprised when she said six months of the year. I, I think you're like, in denial. True. <laughs> so I the other six months, I, understand it's more. I, I sort of have to try and take a step back and give myself a break because I do actually get kind of fatigue with it because it's, it's exhausting caring that much. Um, but I mean, I'm still got my finger on the button and yeah, on the pulse and I know what's happening all the time. And yeah, I just love it. I, you know, I, I watch the the national finals and like, you know, I'm just, yeah, like. And that's the national finals of every country. I it? mean, not every country, <laughs> but um, 
yeah, like there are, I think, so there's usually about 40 countries that take part. And I'd say about half of those um, tend to have some sort of national final. And uh, last year, I think I managed to watch seven. And uh, yeah, this year I'm like, well, I can do better than that. <laughs> Overachiever as always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't bother me if it's not, you know, it's not in English. Like I love watching the French and German ones and just being like, oh, I recognize that one word. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. <laughs> what is it about, like, what is it about it that you love? People always ask me this and like, I'm so entrenched in it. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to answer. Um, I think I love, a you know, it's this competition. So that's like, oh, I get why people like love football because of my, like, you know, like, like I can see it. Well, you were a competitive cheerleader, I you? was a competitive cheerleader, yes. So we can come back wow. to you. That's there we go. Whole, God. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was my, before I was a writer, I was a cheerleader. And yeah, I was like, well, who am I if I'm not a cheerleader? So I was like, well, I better be a writer then. I mean, that's a logical <laughs> It is, isn't it? I mean, it's a, I think most cheerleaders go the time, writers, is it not? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what was I talking about with Eurovision? Um, why you love it. Why I love it. Oh, um, yeah, so a competition. I love the fact that everybody has the same rules. Like, it's, it's quite basic. Like, you've got three minutes, yeah. no more than six people on stage, uh, live vocals, recorded everything else, has to be a new, a new song as of the 1st of September, and that's pretty much it, and, like, not too political. Like, There's a limit to how many people you can have involved as well wasn't there uh in terms of like the team like on in stage. terms of like on stage oh on stage yeah you're only allowed six people on yeah. stage <coughs> which they got wrong in the eurovision film and i i, I love the eurovision film so much fire saga i literally watched it again the other night and i was i've lost it's a count. great, it's a great lost count of how many times i, I, watched I like it the music in it oh yeah. it's yeah, who, oh the whoever, cameos are yeah, just, yeah, that, really that good. Uh, set a, piece at the end oh, divorce the it's end. a real yeah. eurovision like, it's a love letter it really is which is why i was like why are there seven people on this stage um yeah no i think you can really tell that the um, the people involved in that they they really knew what they were talking about and like the the music is fantastic it's such a great um yeah, it's great. soundtrack but like um yeah so I love that that you have these kind of that's it for the rules and the the what you get out of it is so wildly different um and I think I I do love it because it's so queer and I found out only recently that one of the reasons that is is because sometime back in that I think so it's been going since 1956 and I think it was sometime in the 60s or 70s, basically they stipulated that it, if, you, if your costumes were something that you couldn't wear down the street, then you got a tax break for it. And I think that's oh, uh, where this wow. kind of outrage, yeah, I had no idea. Like a friend who was not even into Eurovision yeah. was like, I just found out this thing, did you know? And I was like, I did not. Um, so I think that's where the kind of outrageousness yeah, came from. from. And I think that's where it's sort of drawn such a queer audience. Um, so yeah, I love it. I feel like it's a haven for, you know, like an old, it's not, it isn't mainstream, you know, mainstream music is different. It's, you know, a song that's successful in Eurovision isn't necessarily going to be yeah. successful mm. around the world. That's what's so joyful and wonderful about them. Moneskin winning last year and they've actually yeah, gone on to be global superstars. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love, I absolutely love them. They were my winners that year. So I was, that was a particularly great one for me. Why do you love it? It's, I am nowhere near the levels of Helen knowledge, so I'm now slightly scared. And I have to say, I will correct you if you get anything wrong. You don't need any knowledge. It's why do you love so it? So I remember watching it as a child growing up. It was a lemonading crisps night. So absolutely, it's just coming in, watching it on a Saturday night. Um, my first memory of anyone winning was, I can't, I'm so old, Brotherhood of Man. This oh. is for me. And I remember watching 
<laughs> we're not the same age for anyone. <laughs> Even though we clearly look it because... <laughs> do you know, I got... Sorry, this is a complete aside. I got my fourth COVID jab yesterday and they wouldn't believe I was 50 and entitled to get it. I had to do you believe that? Yes. <laughs> Someone anyway, definitely told Kate that. <laughs> so it's family memory, lemonade and crisps night um, and that's sort of all sitting around. Oh, God, this, uh, the box in the corner. It wasn't black and white. It was in colour, to be clear. <laughs> and being powered. Very excited. <laughs> being very excited when back to phase one and being sort of getting behind that and so it's just been that sort of part of life growing up I think and part of that rhythm of life um it's just fun and joyful and then I can I think there was a bit about the more people got disparaged and that when everyone got far too serious about things and it, and it probably wasn't Maybe it did dip, I don't know, and it's quality, I don't know. Well, I think the the, the actual production standards uh, really took a turn in around 2004, I think it was, um, and you could really see the difference. Between, I mean, you look at the stuff from the late 90s, and it's, it's you barely watch it, like, it's so yeah. bad. And I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's when a lot of... Um, the actual uh, like um, um, the people that were running it, you know, they 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 took a step back and was like, no, we need to keep this relevant. Um, I think you know we have a lot of uh, that to thank for Sweden, and they've been running Melody Festivalen for almost as long as um, Eurovision itself has been running, and that's their kind of mini Eurovision to pick their winner. Um, and their quality and their standards are so good that that Eurovision actually started copying them and using. That's why you know the points system changed a few years ago, where they, um, they yeah, and that was a really good change. Yeah, that's made it super exciting. Yeah, I, like it, I, Eurovision's really exciting or really interesting to me. So you'll be able to get my dates around this because I think it's the late nineties that is quite relevant to me. So um, Katrina and the Waves won in ninety seven. Yeah. I remember when, um, so I was 11 and she had that big collar. And um, I remember I was in the boys' brigade because I was too gay for the scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> um, and, and I remember like we did like this big, I can't remember what it was, but some sort of performance and Love Shine Light oh. was on it. And it was really cool. And then obviously it was held in the UK. Yes. Now this is where my dates get confused. Dana International. It was 99. Right. Yeah. So I think it's at that point where I was like, God, this is really... Oh, no, have I got that wrong? No, see, I I'll think be it was so embarrassed. If it's, no, I think it might have been... No, 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 it was 98. 98. Sweden won again in 99. So yes, Dana International. One in the UK. And yeah, she won yeah, in the UK. And we so, came second Right, so I was like, yeah. really... I don't, like, at, at that point, I was 12. It was held in the UK. I got interested because of Katrina and the Waves. It was held in the UK. So I was watching. It was a big deal. And then Dana International comes on. Mm -hmm. And as a 12-year-old boy who has no idea who they are, how they fit into the world or anything like that. To see Dana International... Yeah, who's a trans mm. woman, if, if people aren't aware. Oh, yeah, I really yeah. probably should give some context. <laughs> <laughs> but to see... And it wasn't a joke act or anything. No. She was genuine and it was from... She was from Israel. And, you know, to see that kind of progressive um, representation like, is quite I've got shocking. Shiver, like, yeah. just talking about it now. It was really important and formative to me and... Um, it feels progressive even now to think that was yeah. mm. 20 years Not that long ago. But like just the other day, I was saying to you, I was in, um, I was in a, a club in uh, South East London where they have drag on and the, Mary Mack came on and did um, 
uh, Viva La Diva. And there was loads of kids, like kids, like the, the 18, the 20 <laughs> The younglings. Year olds. They had no idea. Like, and I could hear a couple of them being like, what's this song? And I was just like, wow, this song is so important to me. Mm. And you have absolutely no idea like about its cultural And importance. I think this is something else that I love about Eurovision. It is a, is a kind of storytelling. Mm. And, um, you know, being an author, being a storyteller, um, you know, it has this kind of, it, it's not just, oh, it's a song. Each song has a story behind it and, you know, a journey and, yeah. a, and a, you know, in itself, but then with you, like your relationship to it and it's such a rich history yeah um yeah because it's and because it has been every year then every generation of all different generations well no you're probably the same but um yeah has that connection and we'll have a different well yeah i it. got into it in the first thing i became aware of it was gina jean 96 and i was oh, like what no. is this yeah, shiny yeah. sparkly yeah. lady yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah and, and i think that is a you know, when when you talk about Eurovision with people our age, yeah. most gays would be like Gina G. Gina G. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I should have met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was just epic. Always has been joyous and glorious, mm. and I think that's it. Like, I just it's joyous, and it is, and like, it was never the. I so many people are those too cool for school people, and I was never surprised surprised one of those. So <laughs> I think the nerdy nerdiness, the and it's now it's now cool. I mean, even before I'm maybe come on to this well, well next year, but 2023 in a minute. But it has got more credibility now because of all the work that's been done. But um, yeah, I mean, we've been really bad at Eurovision for 20 years. Yeah. Like we were really, really good at it. We're one of the countries that has yeah, won the most. most yeah. But you would not know that from the last 20 the years because we we just got stuck in around 20. You know, so we I think we came third in 2020. No, 2002. And then that was it. Like we, I think the next year was uh, the one we got Neil Point. Like yeah, the first year with Gemini, went. and that's it. And we just got stuck in that. We never updated it. We kept saying, you know, this is what you do for Eurovision. Yeah. You do something in this camp, and this is you do a, a key change, and you do it in this kind of key, and you do. It. And I read this fantastic analysis, being like everybody else pretty yeah, much I mean, I moved it, on. I read the same. Yeah, thing. it was yeah. a really, interesting. really good um, yeah. breakdown. And um, I'm really, 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 I'm, I'm going to get emotional. So like tap music came along and were like no we're fixing this and they found sam Ryder of tiktok fame and they just had the right attitude and they had the respect for it and like that was so important for me being a like you know tuberers <laughs> down in there and just like surrounded by all the queers and just watching sam on stage and i did i was screaming and crying because i was just like this we've finally got it again and I just really hope I just hope it won't go away you know I'm so it's so true we had like we had stayed in a particular lane and everyone mm. else had moved and we were just like over here being like this is what you sent to you yeah imagine. the 100% it's I think having to take it seriously and I think with um I don't want to necessarily call it camp but things like that which are seen as frivolous you have to play it seriously and when they're yeah. trying to oh we're just going to write something camp yeah. it doesn't work yeah. I mean, I, mean I do love Scooch on, I have to on, say well, on, that, on, <laughs> on that subject there is someone in this studio who's going to remain nameless not me who has dated someone from Scooch <gasps> yeah but they're not on camera right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but I do this person is being pointed at, at each yeah. other. Try and work out. Someone's um, gone really. Someone's face. saying, "Is it me? I don't remember that. That was a wild night. Was it me? <laughs> oh, that's right. who that was." Uh, how do you feel about it coming to the UK? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had hotels booked in all seven cities. Like. <laughs> Like not and like two different hotel bookings for the two different weeks it could have been. I have questions like, here. Don't you feel guilty about all those hotels that you are now cancelling on? No, because they were all. <laughs> no, I don't care. I don't Do you care want about to take those some small family to... businesses. <laughs> well, because because I knew I would be cancelling them like now. You know, not in April where they wouldn't get a chance to um, 
to recuperate or whatever um but also it was all like you know no no i didn't pay anything I, you know I, it yeah. was all like you pay pay later and you yeah. took free to cancel and so i just i didn't want to gamble i didn't want to miss out on this opportunity like i don't know if i'll get tickets or whatever that's kind of not the point the point is to go and be with everybody and just sort of have that atmosphere and yeah. um i hope we're going to do a really good job because you know i've got that kind of olympic spirit back you know like 2012 olympics was fantastic and i like come on let's let's do it proud let's do it proud for ukraine because you know i think that's another great thing about eurovision is it was literally created to promote peace yeah and you know it was a bit like oh of course ukraine are going to win this year and then they did you know but like so like you know alan i love the fact that although that the uh, political person of you is like yes that's a very good thing not really because you're still bitter aren't you You're like, we won, man. I mean, I was like, yeah, we basically won. And also, what gets me is usually, and this is like so painful for me, usually Ukraine is my favourite. I love Ukraine. They've got so many fantastic entries. And most years I'd be like, yes, you know what? I'd love them to win. And I did like the song this year. And I have to say it grew more on me with the music video. But for me, performance is half the thing. It's like, that's half the points for me. And it was just six weirdos standing on stage. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) I didn't know you were on stage. (laughs) Kate was the one in the beard. (laughs) You and your bioerasure going on. You've never seen me. Never seen you. (laughs) If only. (laughs) Okay, final question then. What is mediocre about you? Ah, so... um, I would like to talk this in kind of a positive way because I said before I am an overachiever and I don't really like believe in mediocrity. <laughs> um, but uh, it exists. I'm sitting in front of you. Let me tell you. I'm right here. Um, no, so I uh, in, in in work um, we talk about um, a mountain of mediocrity, and I think it's a joyous thing uh, because it's sort of it's, it's like we were talking about being free free earlier. Um, and you know, we're, we're romance writers. We're not here trying to write the great American novel, you know, like if you're traditionally published and you want to write a book every three years or whatever, and then that's fine. You know, that's not what we're doing. You know, romance readers are voracious. They want, they'll read a book a day. Some will read two books a day, but you know, they'll, they'll put audio books on like 1.5 speed and they will get through them. Um, so rather than kind of trying to, write the perfect book. It's like, just just get it out, then write another one. Like, I love all my books. Oh, I love that. But yeah. it's like, no, don't be worrying about it. You know, so we talk about the mountain of mediocrity is basically back catalogue because that's where a lot of, like, sales come from and, like, that's what keeps paying the bills and that's what means you can be a full-time author. You know, if you slave over and agonise over, like, a book and then you release it. And you know, I see this with newbie authors all the time. They're so excited. They put so much effort into it. And then they're like, oh, it's coming out in two months. Whatever. I'm like, God, I've written another book by then. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so I'm, I'm on my sixth book of the year, like, you know, and I'm hoping to get a seventh one done by the end of the year. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it, and it's sort of like giving permission to, you know, I still, I still think that my books are quality and I love them. I'm very passionate about them. And I call them, you know, the characters, my book babies. And like, I want them all to have their perfect happy ever afters, but it's not about, crafting every single sentence and agonizing about over. getting something out there. yeah it's that's, just about like just yes. write the book and then write another one that's like, kind of how i feel about comedy is i think it's really important to actually get the stuff out there i think it'd be really easy to just sit at home writing your yes. stuff yeah. and never put it out in the world and a bit like liz truss's economic plans you need to see 
how it deals with reality. <laughs> Before it all falls apart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And some things stick to the wall and some things don't. And then if, if you haven't, you know, I released a book this year that I was like, oh, this is great, this is wonderful, this is going to do real well. And it did all right. And I was like, we'll move on to the next one then. And you just, you know, sometimes you get a good feeling about a book and then other times, you know, and you're right or you're wrong. And then you, But you just, just keep going, like just keep going. And like the fact that I can call this my full-time job, you know, and I'm successful and is, is so important to me because I, I really did hate my day job, <laughs> like stuck in an office yeah. doing something that I ate and I didn't care about. I was very constrained sort of the nine till five. Um, the freedom that I have in my life now, it's like, I'm so grateful for it. And I'm like, each of those little books are just, we, I've got this great gift it. where it's an octopus like putting bricks in a wall mm. and it's like slathers it on and then puts the next mm. bricks in the wall. And we love that one to be like, nope, just another brick in the wall. As you know, I love that. the song goes. I love that. And how, but it's not just the writing, it's the selling of them as well and the promotion oh, of it. Yes. <laughs> and how do you, because that has to be, that's, that's half the job, right? I mean, it's, it, I don't make it half the job. <laughs> I mean, so we do things, you do things to, um, to help yourself out, like building up a newsletter. I've got a Facebook group and, you know, like trying to um, cross promote with other authors and stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, especially uh, a lot of authors have like personal assistants and I, I just don't, I feel like I'd spend more time managing the assistant mm-hmm. than I would actually just doing the thing. Um, but yeah, you have to be continuously active and like, yeah, I mean, like just building up an Instagram following, just trying to get people um, something. So my job was sort of, uh, my day job were, was uh, in the office was sort of marketing adjacent and we talked about like the seven points of contact within marketing. You just want to try and hit people from seven different ways. Yeah. So you can't just send a newsletter. Mm-hmm. You want to ideally catch them on Facebook or catch them or like on different parts of Facebook, you know, in your group or in, you know, we, we go into other people's groups and like do give a, giveaways and like, you know, play games and like, you know, into this competition mm-hmm. to win a free book from my back catalogue and, um, you know, Instagram. And I haven't, I haven't touched book talk. I think I'm too old. <laughs> Like sort of post at it, like book talk is yeah. that TikTok for books? Yes, and like okay. Bookstagram. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> people do dedicated things, whereas I would rather just be on Instagram and get people to like me as a person, and then yeah. be like, "Oh, I've got a book." Like, so another statistic is like you ideally want like eighty percent of your content to not be promotion, yeah, to not be. So you you want to draw people. Like, so I see my so Instagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you want people to be like. You want to occupy real estate in someone's brain and be like, you know, Helen Juliet, she mm. writes fairy tales, but she also does dance and she also does, you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z. And she, you know, like you want them to kind of get to know you and have a loyalty to you. And then, you know, yeah. that translates into... And not just buy this, buy this, buy this. Yeah, buy exactly. Yeah. Because that's just going to yeah. shut people so down. So how do our listeners and viewers find out about you? Uh, so yeah, my Instagram is Helen J. Writes, um, as in the letter J. Um, and if you want to join my Facebook group, that's Helen's Jewels. Um, <laughs> because we're all sparkly. Um <laughs> And that's probably the best. I mean, I do have websites for uh, HelenJuliet.com and HJWelch.com. That's HJWelch, not H.G. Wells, <laughs> which I <laughs> realise... That's going to take slightly, slightly different. Yeah, when you see it written down, it's fine. But when you say it, the amount of people that go, H.J. Wells. And I'm like, no, no, I don't even write sci-fi. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's slightly disappointed. Yeah. More educated. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, great. Well, thank you for coming. That oh, was thanks really for having me. Uh, and now I'm excited about your... Well, I mean, I was excited before, but... 
We did book a hotel, yeah. but it's 12 miles away from Liverpool. Oh, well, I mean, you're lucky you got anything. <laughs> we did do it on the Friday night. It was announced, so it was quite remarkable. So, and I think we are going to have to do a... Oh, yeah, we'll talk about doing a pod yeah. from Liverpool anyway. later. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can catch me on Instagram. I'm Mr. David Ian. And I'm on Instagram as Katie S. Dale. And we'll catch you again soon. Bye. Bye. for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.